Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you find out just after you think you've gotten rid of all the big bads, hey, look what's you know coming through the portal there. It's slimy and icky. And it gets it gets between my toes and other places. Oh, let's see. Yeah, the, yeah. That what is it? Can't get the tough stains out? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> yeah, that's those are some tough stains. Yeah. <clears throat> Tonight, we are going to talk Fringeworthy, and we are going to get deep into it as we usually do, considering that it's a big part of the origin of this podcast. Um, well, does it have to be Fringeworthy? Can it also be Bureau 13? I mean, it could happen there. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be a campaign changer, probably. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no. You, 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 oh, no. There won't be enough hair dye to turn uh, Colonel Talbot's hair from going gray with this coming through. Okay, as you know, in Fringeworthy, as I said, we're going to go deep tonight, so there's, I mean, we'll try to explain things, but those of you long-term Fringeworthy fans, I mean, you'll you'll know this. There have been three major big bads throughout the Fringeworthy canon. You have the Fringe Pirates, who were generally in the early campaign, when a team first would get out onto the paths. Then as you get into the middle campaign, you have the Melor, which we all know how bad those are. Then in the late campaign, over in the negative 100s area, we had the Coptics. Well, the three of us have our brainstorming sessions, and we said, well, wait a minute, you know, we're looking for another big bad, especially over on the other end of the fringe paths. There's nothing there. I mean, it's, yeah, there's the worlds, there's various things going on, but there's really nothing over there that would catch your attention and really draw in for another plot arc. And then it hit. Because in Portals 3, you know, the one with Jack Schmidt, and he's there exploring, you know, he was the food critic for the Chicago paper and got Fringeworthy and found all this stuff. There was a biolab, and I don't have my binder with me, or otherwise I would tell you the exact name of the world, but it was a biotech lab, and it came to me. I'm like, okay, something on that end of the fringe paths. And it, as we're discussing it, it hit me programmable plant matter. Now, we can call it green goo, but I was alerted this evening by Mr. Thomas that apparently that name is already taken for something. Jonathan, what was it that you found green goo is specifically used for? Typically, it's, it's referred to nanotechnology that's used to sterilize humans, um, usually as a form of like terrorism, terrorism or uh, population control. Yeah, so, although this could, you know, ruin your day if you had a date that night and you got attacked by this stuff. We'll explain mm-hmm. as we go along. Um, so the name that I chose instead, I mean, like I said, it's the, uh, kind of like the joke from Dogma. It's not the official name, just something we're kicking around the office. You know, programmable plant matter. Now, we all know that the Termellern were biotech gods. Unfortunately, they were, ulti- they were ultimate optimists in the fact that they could never see anything being turned into something bad, you know, insert here the whole Kegak, you know, uh, mutating the Melor out of anger. So 
this is along those lines. It was another Termellern invention that it had a purpose and it got tweaked along the way. Yeah, the whole thing with this biotech lab is that, as I said, the Termellern, they were biotech gods. That was the one thing they excelled at. They only used hard tech when they hit a plateau in trying to discover new things. Other than that, biotech was, as I say, biotech was their jam. That was, and because of that, they were immortal. They lived as gods, as did those in the Commonwealth. This programmable plant matter I, I came up with was originally a means of terraforming. Now, as we know, the fringe system, and especially this happened later on after the, the war started, the Mellor War against the Commonwealth, the Oh, what was the term? The filters were were put in place. But I came up with this idea that, yeah, the Termellern, you know, there were worlds that they did, you know, they came across, you know, various Earths that were not quite up to par. So originally this programmable plant matter was made as sort of a, not a short term, but as a small scale terraforming tool. Basically, it's kind of like plant seed and fertilizer nanites. And they would just release it onto an area of a world, and it would just, okay, and we're going to soak in, and look, we have grass and trees and flowers. and So yeah, it was meant to, I mean, you could see that this stuff was used for things like, oh, we need to make a nature reserve, or we need to make a park world, or maybe nice manicured lawns for a, an expo world. They're like part of a, a, a open-air arboreum. Oh, okay. Send in the programmable plant matter, you know, tweak it. Okay, we need grass, a couple of, you know, maybe nice elm trees, and oh, maybe some pansies over there in the corner. Goes in, and, you know, speed grow. So this became, as I see, something that the Termellor used just for creating looks for worlds that they need. Oh, we're, you know, over in this area, we need a, a few more uh, park worlds. Send in the PPM. And so, yeah, it was a... Just another tool that the Termellon made to help their lives be easier, preparing worlds for whatever purpose they needed. Then the Commonwealth Mellor War happened, and the Commonwealth made weapons, and they were losing, and this was the process, you know, where 270 million worlds were either destroyed or rendered uninhabitable. And the Commonwealth turned to the Termellon and said, you guys are the big tech boys on the block. Please help us. We're losing worlds, losing billions and billions of people in every node. And then the Termellern came and, you know, put their creative juices into flow and made things that scared the Commonwealth because that's how the Termellern are. They have that one thing that is the most, the drive to create. And, and it's for anything. It could be, well, I want to create a tool that, you know, can you know, like the Termellern comb. It co you know, combs your hair, cleans your hair, curls your hair, to even dye your hair. Somebody really took it to task to make that tool. To make the big system, they really, you know, did that. And to make the fringe paths, you know, the, the Jeffrey, the back doors. All so when they realized they needed a new weapon, it came to me. It's like, well, they could have changed this into a, a weapon to go up against the Mellor. Because the programmable plant matter could be on a world. And it could be there like, oh, yeah, well, we grew into, you know, a nice lawn. But if you tweak it to detect Melor, yeah, imagine you're a Melor walking around thinking, yeah, I'm going to go and, you know, terrorize these people. And all of a sudden, a green wave like a tsunami comes up and consumes you. That's kind of what they did with the, this PPM. They turned it into a weapon for the Melor. And so 
A weapon against the Melor. Yeah, a weapon against the Melor, yeah. Well, I meant for, like, to fight them. Um, but as Bruce can tell you, being someone who deals with computers, programming can be corrupted. Programming can erode over time. Codes, you know, can change due to various factors, internal and external. Hence the new big bad out on the fringe paths out there in the positive 100-plus range, as depicted in Portals 3. And that, that was something I wanted to make sure. It's like, yeah, how would it, this stuff be bad? I'm like, yeah, well, code does go bad after all. Yeah, and I, it, basically, you're dealing with rogue natural nanites. Because this is stuff when they had to kick in the filters for electrical, magnetic, nuclear, and then the fringe-worthy filter. They could still send this through into worlds. So it could still traverse along the fringe paths. And because it's biological matter, it could even get into the system and be like, oh no, I can just mimic a crystal key because those are biotech too. Unlock a portal, slip right in through the portal, you're on the world and just, you know, set up. Oh, we found out we have Melor in this world. Okay, just go to the portal and ambush them, so to speak. Because remember, a lot of the Melor were trying to go from world to world. You know, they because the Mellors still had to communicate with each other during the war. And a lot of times they would have to go from one world to another, or at least off-world, you know, to do the, the, the touch telepathy to exchange information. Or to infect old Mellor. So even after all the filters came in, this stuff could still go on the fringe paths and be active. So, yeah, that's this is kind of what I'd come up with in the little brainstorm session we had. Oh, God, this was probably last year, 2020. Yeah. Like, summer or fall 2020, we, we, we beat this idea around, right? Yeah. I think, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, about nine months ago, we were talking. It was like a post, post-taping brain session. Just this rolled and versus, okay, this is you. Do it. Here we are now. Um, so this programmable plant matter for the Tremelorn, it was easy to make techno-organic nanites. And... From what I see, the Tremelorn could put all types of, you know, uh, like plant DNA, uh, plant matter, and it's just, okay, well, we need uh, forest of oak trees. Okay, send in the PPM, starts, you know, seeding an area, and you end up with a beginnings of an oak forest. Basically, the Tremelorn put any and all type of plant matter into the innards of these nanites, and they were synthetic anyway, so, as I said, techno-organic would be the best way to describe it. or Biolo- well, let's see. Technically, a biological nanite be more. Bio nan- nano is is a term. Bio nanite. Okay, bio nanote- Okay, well then, yeah. Because see, I was thinking about that. How that would fly? Whether it was just you know techno organic and just sort of hand wave it, or if there were there was the at least the theoretical possibility of bio nanotechnology. So now with. This matter, and I'm still trying to find the particular world that, because there was a lab and there was a particular, because, yeah, this has already been, like, kind of playtested. Uh, I'm currently running a fringe-worthy campaign. With, uh, in Portals 3, they effectively have the Kelvin universe, so I have basically Star Trek Kelvin universe meets the fringe paths, and so my players have already gone through and dealt with a little bit of this already, and I, 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 I mean, they appreciated the thing, but yeah, you know, players, when a game master throws a, Trav, you jerk! You know, just, yeah. It was <laughs> so yeah, it, it got my players uh, seal of approval by them <laughs> swearing at me. You know, so this has been tested already, and they know, yeah, that means it's going to be back. 
yeah. Because <laughs> I left that foreshadowing that, yeah, if it was here, there's more else. So, yeah, the, uh... I noticed there's one, like, ranch on page 17, like Bio Ranch. Yeah, here we go, large glass doors, plants and on life for Yes, thank you, Jonathan. I didn't realize just how far down it was. Okay, uh, Jonathan, if you could read the, the blurb for the prime there. As I said, this is page 17, portals 3. A melon building with large glass doors. Inside are tanks with plants and odd life forms either preserved or in stasis. There are tubes with lower and greater melor. There are a few humanoids and slargs, and if the glass is tapped, the least miller will wake up and then fall back asleep. Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a good idea where you can find some of this stuff, because I'm like, wait a minute, plants and odd life forms. Sure, let's put it there. So, and of course, Rich did not, when he did Portals 3, he didn't do specific numbers, and Rich told me, I said, yeah, you didn't number these. I said, well, yeah, these were just notes that Jack Schmidt wrote down, which means technically you can switch the order of these worlds around. Now, you know, Portals 1, 2, and 4, everything was ordered, it was there, and so he made it where this didn't have to be in order. Of course, with how I am, I did, so it's... I don't remember what Earth I designated this as, but yeah, this is where I had put this programmable plant matter. It was something that was found, and yeah, my Federation team had to, you know, deal with this, and along with the Termellon Engineer NPC that I have. Please refer to our Termellon Engineers episode for information about that. But yeah, so this is what, you know, we are designating as a new possible big bad for this end of the fringe paths, because the, the opposite end has the Coptics. That is greatly detailed in Coptics, or uh, Portals 4, and of course we've done several episodes in the past about the Coptics and their tactics and their background and their history, and I even came up with the point of divergence on where the Coptic history deviated from normal, and it was, uh, there was no Battle of Philippi, it had to do with uh, Mark Antony. And it was funny because Rich had a friend of his, down, uh, a professor, a history professor down in South Bend, Indiana, Professor Chris Biting, checked my math, as it were, and he said, and, and Rich came back to me and said, yeah, Chris said, tell your friend Trav, he was right, he nailed it. I was like, yes. So the Coptics are, are done in detail, but we just, we've kind of come up with a new big bad for this end. And again, it's the Termellern in their infinite optimism that, oh, we'll make stuff and it won't be perverted or changed or messed with. Yeah. Well, in their defense, okay, the Meller never planned on upping and leaving for a thousand, okay? So a lot of these things happened because all these little projects were no longer being monitored. Yeah, well, the Kegak really, that was not up for, remember, the Kegak, you know, corrupting and mutating the Melor, the thousand years was well after the war did its damage and, you know, the Commonwealth was that disbanded and destroyed where. So, yeah, that happened well before the Thousand Year. Right. The Kegak mutating them, yeah. Yeah, but it, no, that's what caused the war. But yeah. I'm saying it was a thousand years afterwards, and it was after they, um, they just, the Commonwealth discovered that the Kegak, you know, had had mutated the Meller, and the Tremeller covered it up. Yeah. So that was the point where they basically said, you know, you don't get to play uh, play with us anymore. And the and Tremeller said, fine. You know, they turned around, and they took their planet with them, and they left. Yeah, took and, their ball and went home, yeah. Right. The point is, is that that thousand years that came after that, that was a really good opportunity for a lot of these projects, where which were no longer being, you know, watched over by the Tamellers, 
or by some of the other races that were too, you know, who'd been killed. You know, some of those researchers were killed during the war. Yeah. So you got all these projects that are running without oversight now. Nobody really knows where anything is anymore. That logic bomb probably played havoc with more than just the fringe system. And uh, things, and like I say, things happen. Protocols get mixed up. You know, uh, records lost due to wars. Yeah, yeah and concerning AIs how decide to yep. uh, try things that are you know that would normally get shut down, but there's nobody there to say no anymore. Yeah. So eventually they says, well, we ran out of everything else to do. Let's try this one. DNA mutates. All sorts of things can happen. Oh, yeah, like like uh, nature preserves and everything. Protocols slip. Animals start wandering each other's lands. You know, we get yeah. Jurassic Park on a massive scale. You know, just... Life, life finds a way, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And the, the phrase from uh, Ian Malcolm, just because you guys... But you could do it doesn't mean you should have. See, that's the thing. You and here's here's a little bit of leeway on our part. You can say that this was created intentionally first as just a form of uh, small scale terraforming, and then it was weaponized. Or in your campaign, if to have it fit, oh no, this was this way, and well, code gets messed with or it erodes after a while. And so, yeah, either way, you know, you have a little bit of, you know, we, we get, you know, I gave the chance a little bit of wiggle room for how you want to bring this into your campaign if you want to, as far as, okay, we have this programmable plant matter, basically, well, again, green goo, even though, and we're finding it on the fringe paths. It moves and works like nanites, yet in order for it to go through portals, it would have to be organic. Right. And intelligent. Yes. Because it's going to have its ability to, adapt and you know there these are computers that are running you know this ver these various masses of see I wanted to call it green goo I also tried plantites to try to you know make a portmanteau of plant nanites and I'm just like that's not rolling off the tongue and so I finally settled on about a half hour ago with just programmable plant matter or PPM so I could easily see some IDET scientists coming up with that name yeah that's probably something that Later explorers would come up with, you know, let's say they managed to get a little bit of it back to a lab, and they realize, oh my god, these are plant-based manite. You can program them to do whatever, grow whatever plant you want area. This is programmable plant matter, or PPM, and just, yeah, it would be most likely a human-made term, you know, for if United were to get a hold of some of it. So, yeah, um, and of course me, with how I am with rules... All of you, I mean, I don't make a secret of this. I run Pathfinder First Edition, so, you know, OGL. So having to make this, I had base stats to run with it for when I introduced it to my players. Uh, Jeff DeRef, uh, Pixie, let's see, Carrie, Will, Breakman, Z, and Fur. Yeah. And so I had, like, quickie stats. A couple days ago, I made definitive stats. And so... Yeah, this is definitely a big bad, because if you know Pathfinder bestiary rules, this is a CR-17 encounter if you're going up against the PPM. So this is going to be another late campaign type thing, and we just sort of agreed, the three of us, that yeah, this would be something going out the other end of the fringe paths concurrent with the Coptics. So you're dealing with, you know, this over here and then this stuff over here. Um, but yeah, so I had to sit there and really get, because I got the, the, the sort of fluff text version first, like, okay, 
It's plant-based nanites. It can go through the fringe paths. It's not going to get shorted out by the portal system due to the electronic and magnetic filters, because those two are the things that take out computers. They drain any battery that they have, and magnetics are suppressed for 10 minutes. So I needed that. I needed it to be able to do things to plants. And of course, you know, it's like spell-like abilities, like, oh, it can do entangle, or it can do plant growth, or it can, you know, read list of druid spells (laughs) that deal with plants, like warp wood, or yeah. This is the stuff that I wanted it to do. Problem is, it's still nanites, which means it can do stuff like the stats for Grey Goo from, I believe, Bestiary 5? Think so? Yeah. Uh, Pathfinder Bestiary 5. So, as I was sitting down and breaking the rules, and obviously, yes, the last version of Fringeworthy is the D20 OGL one that was put out sometime in the mid to late 2000s. Bureau 13 came out in 2008. Fringeworthy came out, Fringeworthy D20 came out after Bureau 13 D20, Bruce? No, it came out before. Okay, so sometime before. But still, OGL is the last engine that Fringeworthy and Bureau 13 were made for. Right, that's so, the last yeah. conversion we made, yeah. Yes, so the stats that I'll, and I'll try to break it down. I'm not going to get too deep into it because a lot of this stuff is third-party stuff. And remember, 3035 D20 Modern is all easily convertible to Pathfinder. It's there at Paizo.com. You can get the, the PDF to convert 3.5 to Pathfinder, and it, it fine. So, Grey Goo, it's there in Bestiary 5, and I added one, two, or five templates. Uh, Plant Blood and Leshy, which are on the Pathfinder system resource document page, which I believe is d20pfsrd.com. Very useful tool. And they're Plant, yeah, plant Blood and Leshy, which basically made it where they have the plant-like ability. They, if you were to examine it, you could say, yeah, this is plant matter. And the Leshy, Leshies are kind of like, okay, best way to describe it is kind of like baby Groot. They're like little plant creatures, animate plants that, you know, and they've got vine Leshies and other types. So the Leshy, that brings in the thing of they can communicate with plants and find out what's going on there. And they have certain plant immunities and traits that are in the bestiary rules. And also, if you manage to destroy the batch of green goo, the PPM, they sort of explode and temporarily increase plant growth in the area. So they still fall back on their normal function of small-scale terraform. Now, the other three templates are from Legendary Games' Arcforge series, which really get into adding technology to your Pathfinder game, because Pathfinder has touched on technology and fantasy more than other previous editions of D&D, because in their setting Galarian, there is a land that has tech in it. Uh, Numeria, the barbarian land with these starships that crashed all over it. So people have been putting out rules for tech, and these are Biomech, Modular, and Akashic. Well, okay, no, Akashic is a subtype, so four. Modular is where you're using the Akashic magic rules from Akashic Mysteries, and Biomech is where, no, it's not tech, it's organic. So yeah, with those four templates, I basically turned Grey Goo into programmable plant matter. And with all the various powers and traits and everything, it does all the various plant skills, plant, you know, oh, we can make this grow, and you can do this, and you can, you know, it can make plant matter grow out of barren rock and you get entangled. And Obviously, not everybody runs Fringeworthy with the D20 engine. 
you're using Savage World, you're using Fate, you're using, you can even use, you know, the Palladium system. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember a couple other hot systems. Uh, Cortex. Well, uh, let's not forget uh, a Hero. Let's not forget. Oh, yeah. Uh, hero games. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, of course, GURPS. Yeah. So, again, your mileage may vary. But we're hoping that with what we tell you tonight and how, because these two are going to throw questions at me, that I'm going to have to go, okay, well, it's this and this and that. Because I expect that of these two. This is why we're doing this. I mean, yeah, I put this bare bones thing down, but I know these two are going to put me to the test, especially, you know, the one down there from Atlanta. I know he's going to really, you know, <laughs> because I know him that well. <laughs> I mean, I expect Jonathan, he, he pulls a lot of stuff out of left field, which I appreciate that of him. But I know Mr. Sheffer over there is the one that's going to put me to the test on this. Um, so, yeah, because you can do Fringeworthy via various game engines, hopefully with what we tell you in the next hour, you know, 45 minutes, to, or no, a couple. Okay, this is next episode. Let's try that. That you're going to come up with a reasonable facsimile using whatever game engine you use to make this programmable plant map. So, uh, yeah, th this stuff, basically you're dealing with Nanites made of plants, they can, you know, seed an area of whatever plant matter it can be programmed. And obviously, a Termellar engineer is going to be the one who can hack into this stuff. I mean, kind of make it hard that, yeah, unless you've got like some type of cyber path that can get into this, this stuff's not going to really be tweakable by PCs. It's not, I mean, just unless you're running like an epic level campaign or, you know, the guys are like nearly gods and they're deciding to, you know, go up against this. Usually the, the oh, well, we need to switch from grass to let's say we want to grow corn on this world, which corn tech type of grass, but you get what I mean. Different uh, phylum. It's going to be only people of Commonwealth level technology or higher that's going to be able to tweak this stuff. And because it's going to, a lot of times, this green goo, this PPM is going to be going rogue. It's going to have enough intelligence to do stuff on its own. It's going to be, I wouldn't necessarily say sentient. Well, it has to be. Well. Unless you're just going to simply say they're uni it's universally fringeworthy. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's the thing. It's stuff can go through, it travels right. via the paths. Yeah, that, that's how it gets from world to world. Right, but, that, but I'm saying normally for something to go through a fringe portal, it is not sentient. It has to be carried touched and pushed in some way by a fringeworthy person. Yeah, like a horse or cats or, yeah. Right, right. You can just simply put your hand yeah. on the horse, push the horse through, the horse goes through. Otherwise, the horse just walks to the other side of the portal and looks at you. He comes around and says, can I have an apple now? Yeah, yeah. what you asked. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, the in making this, yeah, it's, pro, it, you know, programmable plant matter, but it is still nanite, so... It'll still also be able to do the things that normal lands. It could dismantle living beings. It can dismantle objects. Because in a forest, you've seen how nature can take over. There's pictures that you've seen. Oh, yeah, this tree grew around a bicycle that was left there in 1910 and all this. Or, oh, God, there's a series that was on cable where basically after humanity was gone, it showed like over centuries and then millennia how nature broke down civilized lands. Like, oh, you know, the street was, you know, you know, nature taking over a world. And we've there are worlds here on the fringe paths that, oh, yeah, well, you know, nature took over after civilization was killed off, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, the, the sun changed or whatever. And so 
we know that nature and especially plant matter can really do a number on yeah i think i remember this life after people i think is what it was called yeah yeah that thank you thank you yeah so you've if you've seen that and it came out probably within the past decade i think Uh, what uh, 2009 2010 i don't see Um, oh history channel life after people apparently it is now on hulu and amazon prime video right right okay well, I saw it when it was on the, uh, on, you know, the Discovery or History Channel, whichever one it was. You see how nature can get in and just take over, like, oh, it's, it was an abandoned city, and look, trees are growing, and the roots are ripping up the, you know, the streets that were there, and yeah. So we can do that. Because they're nanites, it still is going to be able to do the thing of, you know, like, yeah, I just dismantled my gun, you know. So in planning, whatever engine you use, obviously the Game Master is going to have to come up with, okay, how am I going to make this particular hack where it's going to do plant stuff and still be nanites? As I said, for OGL, just it, it has, uh, I use the modular template from ArcForge, not StarPath, not Technology Advanced, CyberTech, P-S-I-B-E-R Tech, uh, written by Matt Daly, and they have the, the modular template and it's a plus two template so that right there kicks it from a 14 to a 60 and it allows you to do what they call akashic magic that's an akashic mysteries by dreamscard press and i use the akasha as cyber tech uh variant rule thereby with the modular template you can go oh okay these akashic veils and you just pick ones that are in other products that plant stuff City of Seven Seraphs by Lost Spheres Publishing has Akashic Veils that deal with things like, oh, you can grow a cape of thorns and fling them at people, or what was the other one? Verdant Vambraces, and just, it's all like druid-based stuff. So those are in there, and you can just, okay, it does all this cool plant stuff, and also you have things like Nanite Cloud, which it'll act like a normal Nanite Cloud. You'll hear the buzzing, and you know, you can levitate a little bit as the nanites lift you up some. And as I said, it, your mileage is going to vary converting this over based on your game machine. And we mentioned like 10 of them that, and of course, there are others that we've missed, I'm sure. So as I said, we're going to try to describe as best we can all the stuff that this stuff can do. So you can there convert it based on what we tell to your rule system of choice. Uh, so yeah, I plotted this out as best I can with all this, and it it just I'm I'm hopefully now that we're here, I can get feedback from these two on oh can it do this? How would it do this? So yeah, it it when I cranked this all out a couple of days ago, I was like okay, I hit an impasse. Best I can do with this, <laughs> throwing my baby out to the wolves here. You know, <laughs> you know I created this like okay. Here you go, Talk out there. To yeah. me, little one. Yep. <laughs> well, as I said, I've already run like a sort of quick slap together version of this, and my players had to get creative to get out of there. Basically, this Bio Ranch Prime, yeah, it, they had to lock it down. The the terminal is like, no, we can't let this out. No, no. <laughs> Rainbow Key, no. You, this is we don't come back here ever again. And of course. I said, well, wait a minute, if this stuff is programmable plant matter, you know, I left it out there where my players all went, oh, Jesus Christ, Trav. <laughs> and even Fur's like, honey, <laughs> like, what, what? You're foreshadowing, what? You know, it's good storytelling. And she's like, stop. <laughs> so 
So, are there any other ideas that YouTube think that this stuff would also be able to do? Basically, okay, it's nanites, but also can do all these plant-based abilities. Okay, well, let's 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 like I say, let's run through the question and see what happens. Uh, Jonathan, you have one, something you want to start with? Uh, no questions at the moment, but I already see in in my head that this could be, or at least maybe an earlier form of this, or possibly an offshoot of this, where somebody had had gotten some of this stuff and taken it elsewhere. But this could be the source of the infamous purple weed. Ooh. Oh, and the purple weed is all here on this side because it's here on yeah, Portal. It's like Portals One. Um, it's a world pretty uh, close. Yeah. Uh, he was a TAS officer, David Wellington. Yeah, I remember the name now. So yeah, let me try to. Yeah, it could have been like an early test, either by um, maybe the 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 engineer or scientist first developing it, testing it out on a world, and accidentally creating the purple weed, or. Well, they got the red weed here, too, yeah. here. This could be the purple weed, too. The purple weed is elsewhere on the fringe path. But yes, uh, page 52, and I love Foxit Reader, that I can just type a word and it'll pick it out and highlight it in blue. Uh, the Pilgrim Landing Prime, and then alternate eight is Victorian Explorer. The legendary Sir David Wellington and his six Indian assistants have journeyed from near Earth Prime. He's happy to see the IDA personnel invites him to camp. What he doesn't realize is he's spreading the red weed across alternates. His servants have a large tin of the shredded leaves and seeds. They're smoking it and discarding the seeds. Wellington has no idea of the ecological ramifications of the spread of this red nightmare. The explorers will need to backtrack and eradicate any of this they find. At least two weeks of work and monitoring will wipe most of the contamination out, though it will take six months to verify this. A full Eunice team with herbicides will need to set up camp and stay in the area. Yes, the fact that both the red weed... And the purple weed, which I think is more in the center yeah, around like Earth Prime, right next door, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's like in the D twenty, at least in the in the OGL version, it is in the back of the book. So it's yeah, I think I actually here it is. It plus five. Okay, and I I've got a three by f- or yeah three by five here that I'm starting to do notes it, on. It has taken over three of the alternates on on platform uh, positive five. Mildly hallucinogenic grain that provides complete nutrition causes sterility and apathy. This 1960s world is overrun and humanity almost wiped out. Fast-growing weed-like grain, perfectly edible as grain bread. Leaves could be boiled and it was addictive. It used the, made the user mellow as marijuana and have their IQ. You could also smoke it. Yeah. So apparently the red and the purple, they're going to be variants of the same plant. And thank you, Jonathan. It could have been made by a rogue version of PPM, possibly to sterile or not sterilize, not euthanize either. Um, well, at least for the purple weed, it says it, um, it comes from uh, alternate number two on, on positive five. And it says that is the origin of that weed, but it's also a world filled with toxic plants and, and animal life. So it could have been, you know, an attempt. It, I, I see it, and this would be my use of it, would be, it was used to terraform this world and to see how crazy can this stuff get. Okay. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're, typically, we're going to ter- we use this to terraform worlds and to make them a lot like T prime. But let's see how crazy we can get if we want to create crazy worlds. And this was probably the test bed for that. And then, of course, everything goes to hell, and nobody's there to make sure that it stays there. It just runs amok. Yeah. Oh no, no, because. You're not only going to get, you know, Termellern saying, okay, we made this, let's try this. You're going to get Commonwealth people doing this. You're going to get post-Commonwealth people finding out about it and tweaking it and saying, 
And of course, they don't know how it works, so they end up screwing it up. So yeah, there's a as I said, we're we're I see that we're giving a lot of leeway on how certain things can be to get to a certain point in using this PPM in your game. Variance and origins of how things go to allow for to fit in whatever campaign you may have it. So yeah, I do like that. The I didn't even occur and the red wheat is right here. It's not all that far from the bio lab, and I didn't make that connection. Thank you, Jonathan. And then bringing up the purple weed stuff in uh, positive five note. Write this down later. Because, oh yes, I, I can honestly say this, my, my, my players don't listen to the podcast, because usually I'll, whatever we do here, I'll bring it into the game anyways, but yeah, doing the <laughs> Mr. Burns thing. Smithers released the hounds. Yes, Mr. Burns. Yeah. Um, as I said, Akashic Mysteries from Dreamscard Press is very helpful for how I had to do, well, how can I give this stuff plant-based powers? Oh, Akashic Veils, this from here, yeah. Uh, so varying worlds where it was left to make these variant versions of red and purple wheat. Uh, let's see, what other little things can we add and possibly link throughout the fringe paths? Oh, here's another thing, and it's right next, it's on page 51 of Portals 3. This is another place that could have been, well, touched by the PPM, Ordered Ecology. It's the prime on page 51. And very ordered ecology with each mile resembling the last mile. Each hex has a border of red flowers, specific trees in specific locations, and the exact number of animals and insects. The terrain may vary, but the biology is a rubber stamp of any other area. That could have been a proper test field for the PPM. Oh, let's do, you know, let's say, well, we'll go like the measurement in Ultimate Campaign. 95 square mile hex. So basically 12 miles across from side to side. Oh, look. This is, you know, a pure oak forest. This is a grassy field. These are elm trees. Over here is, you know, wild corn. Yeah. Or no, each hex has a board of red flowers, but the terrain is different. Oh, look. We have these hexes that are all, you know, foothills, and this is plains, and there's a canyon here, and yeah. And the PPM could have just come in here, programmed, and it's like, okay, every so often, you know, just plant this exact mix of stuff in each of these incremental areas. Yeah. Automatically in my head, like, anytime we see, especially in these, like, uh, portal entries, anytime there's referred to another stinking swamp or another massive forest or anything like that, this automatically makes, in my head, want to go, yeah, that was put there by the goo. That was a terraforming project. To my mind, that makes me think that because they would all come, there is probably some marker that can be used to track worlds that have been terraformed by this this goo. Well, obviously that'd be something that only the Termelern or maybe someone very high, exactly, yeah, oh, tech wise yeah. in be... the Commonwealth. Oh yeah, this is this yeah. is yeah, the PPM was here. Yeah, like so you'd have to have like some high level, you know, m- nano level micros- uh, microscopy, nanoscopy, <laughs> and. Um, you know, high levels of, like, bioengineering knowledge and stuff in order to detect it. But once you did, it'd be like, oh, wow. Yeah, it was here, it was here, it was here. Oh, hey, yeah. Purple weed. Oh, how? Look at that. It's it's the markers. Oh, it's in here in the red weed, too. Oh, wow. oh yeah. We we did that because, remember, Star Kelvin Universe Star Trek, it's there on, and let me get to the page. Because you read the flavor text, and they even talk about Star Trek in the flavor text, but the actual... But it is the page, if you read it, you know full well it's Star Trek. It's the Riverside Cafe in the 09 movie where Kirk got his butt handed to him by the cadet after he was talking to Uhura. 
it was that area. So yeah, it's the Kelvin universe. So I have my start, you know, the Kelvin universe meets fringe path. They have tricorders and my Termellern engineer basically grew them new tricorders so they work on the paths along with, you know, phaser pistol. So yeah, they now have it scanned where they know, okay, there's vestiges of this stuff here. What I did is I let it slip through the portal because in the campaign, I flipped that particular alt and made it the prime. So now the Kelvin Earth has eight portals, and one of them is in Kalimtan, Borneo, which is abundant with plant life. The rainforests in Borneo, of course, we know they're getting taken out, and, you know, the orangutans are being threatened. But yeah, now a nano mist can come through, and it can disperse enough where you don't see it. It's not the green goo. They're microscopic, they'll just float through the portal. And all of a sudden, they started mutating all the plant life on Borneo. I had an adventure where we had, I mean, it took Jeff's character and a shuttle to start blasting things because they were getting overrun because it just started mutating the local plant life on Borneo, where it's like, and of course, that allowed me to just, ooh, let's go to the SRD page and go, oh, look, creature types, plants. Oh, we have this and this and this and, you know, assassin vines and, you know. <laughs> I mean, I was even thinking of bringing in, like, shambling mounds and stuff, but I didn't want to get too trite. If there is any kind of plant-based monster that you've been looking to add, this is the perfect, ex you know, excuse yeah. for it. This is the perfect way to introduce it into your campaign, even if it doesn't seem like a good fit. You have your fit now. Oh, yeah, and it, just the fact that you can, as I said, there there's so many various ways to do it that you can, you know, find. Ah, here it is, yeah. Uh, page 72, uh, the prime is Bird Earth, the alternate eight is Star Bar and Casino, and it even says in the flavor text on the right side of the page, the final frontier, I love Star Trek, it's how man should explore the galaxy. So yeah, it's the Kelvin universe. I mean, Rich obviously could, but yeah, because this came out, let's see, Portals, 2012, yeah. So it's about the time when Into Darkness came out. So the Kelvin universe was established, Rich could put it in there, not have to worry about too much about, you know, you know how we do it. Copyright infringement, you know, saying under a cough. But yeah, it, it's the Kelvin universe. So yeah, the tricorders picked it up and they now know if their tricorders are going and all of a sudden it pings, it's like, oh crap, the green goo's here. Head for the portal or get in the shuttle, seal it up. Yeah. So yeah, um, trying to see what other, because I don't have all the portals books open, but uh, here's a, yeah, all the swamps. I mean, if you really want to get in, if like Jonathan said, if you really get want to get into it, worlds may have been terraformed where you have all these swamp worlds. Because besides moss, I mean, there's, you know, willow trees are usually the big thing that are in swamps. My roommate's from Lake Charles, Louisiana, and I've seen the pictures of the bayou in his old hometown. So, yeah, a lot of willow trees and, let's see, moss? Is that plant or fungus? Uh, it's, uh, moss is, is a plant. Okay. So yeah, a lot of these swamp worlds could have been PPM. Al algae, on the other hand, is a combination of a fungus and uh, well, you know, and uh, and an algae. Okay. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's one that you know PPM could have messed with. It's on Portals Three, page fifty-nine. The uh, the Primus Croc Earth alternate Obsidian Swamp Glass and Swamp make a dangerous combination when blood attracts predators. Yeah, somebody could PP could have put PPM in this world that probably had a lot of obsidian on the surface. And yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of worlds. I mean, if you really want to sit there and get into it where they say, 
yeah, they probably used PPM to terraform a lot of these worlds that were dead. You know, kind of like the Genesis device, where you you put it in and it creates plants, and the plants help create oxygen, and so, yeah, making these worlds hereby habitable. And then the Termellor use them for whatever purpose they deem. I, I wouldn't overuse this. I wouldn't have every world with strange animals or strange plants. Well, right, use but this. just saying there would be certain worlds yeah, that. Because part of me they wants to tweak. have this yeah. be a very recent development uh, within the old Commonwealth. Like it was, it was still in its um, like maybe early rollout when the, the, the war hit and the, the Commonwealth fell. Okay, we can, yeah, yeah. Simply because I think that just makes more sense for it being able to get out of control as it has, or as we want it to. Yeah, because, yeah, because, see, I originally had it that they used it just originally for, oh, yeah, small-scale terraforming, oh, now we have to weaponize it. Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to do it as, okay, we're building weapons, building weapons, and because they had to slam the filters into place, okay, we need something to be able to travel the fringe paths, go to worlds, and do the work. I think so. I think they could have had a. They could have already had this as a like small scale terraforming tool, and then they thought, hey, this would be great with all of our uh, French path filters in place. Let's yeah. turn it into. Yeah. So a yeah, what I said, but just a lot later on. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because part of me, the part that gets to my head is the fact that we know. Um, I think it's from from Portals Four, and again, spoilers if you haven't, and and you and and you care about spoilers. But in Portals 4, they kind of revealed that, you know, Earth Prime and T Prime are on basically opposite ends of a huge ring. Yeah. And that all the worlds and alternates around T Prime and all the worlds and alternates around Earth Prime are where most of the usable resources are, as far as these are the worlds that had resources that the Termelorn wanted. And all the worlds that are kind of at the halfway point between these two points were kind of empty, kind of not really useful to 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 the commonwealth. That would be page 13 of Portals 4 by the way. Yeah. So yeah. if you have this terraforming tech, I really don't see any reason why you're not terraforming these empty worlds if nothing else to be theme parks and uh, uh leisure worlds and stuff like that. Okay. So if this is something they've had for a while, yeah, there might not be a lot of natural resources like iron or coal or anything like that, but it would be no reason for these worlds to be empty so to speak. Yeah. Okay, so we can say it came later in the game, or otherwise it would have terraformed every world to be have nature on them and at least plant life. Yeah. Okay. I think so, yeah. Yeah, and even said for early for easy access, we organized the worlds into clusters, and yeah, you have lesser utility worlds, less Earth-like. Yeah. So, because they would have terraformed all the outer areas to yeah, they have the mineral resources, and they look nice, too. Look, rolling fields of grass, and you know, yeah, underneath all that grass and dirt, you know, they've got iron ore and everything. Yeah, they wouldn't have terraformed worlds that they were using specific because they didn't want to, oh, we're going to put natural beauty here and then we're going to rip it up with strip mining or whatever. Yeah, no. Okay, I see. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe after they're done strip mining the planet. Then they would come back and could come use back the PPM and, and, and to, it, yeah. Yeah, make a, make a nice, strong tree that could filter out all the pollutants that, that they've put into the air. Yeah. And then once that's done, use it again to add more normal plant life. Or no, these things could even grow cattails because cattails are like nature's filter. Yeah, anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I found this out as a kid that, you know, when cattails are growing, they're filtering all the gunk and everything out of the water. And so, yeah, 
I have to deal with them at my job because right behind the warehouse, the new warehouse where I work, there's a bit of a swamp area near the railroad, the train that goes by. And yeah, so we're getting cattail fluffing all the time. Right. Well, if this is, you know, if this gray goo actually is serving a terraforming purpose, they also can provide a framework for the uh, uh, accelerated um, development of other plants. I mean, they can basically, to the other plants, they can seem to be, um, you know, a, uh, I'm sorry, a symbiosis. Okay, but, you know, and it, it might, and that might have been the original intention. But then, you know, when it's changed to be what it is now, um, it could still use that as a means to, uh, um, let's say, uh, uh, it means, it, it, let's say you, you have an area that doesn't have a whole have a whole lot of nutrients. It can through itself. It can pump nutrients from one area to another, and okay, then use yeah. that to cause greater growth in that area. So, and and of course, you know, if if it's you know, if other if other plants and things like that actually can do some things better than it can uh, without having to modify stuff a lot, why not take use those things on a short term basis until you achieve your goal, and then you can harvest those those plants and um, add their nutrients back to yourself and keep on going. Yeah, because uh, the, you know nanite swarms can fly for the the Pathfinder rules here, fifty feet. A move action, so that's a hundred feet in six seconds. Yeah, you could do the math and find out how many miles per hour it can fly, and then just yeah, okay, we've picked up nutrients using this plant matter. We're gonna take it with you know it's it's been seeped in. The nanites absorb it because they have to absorb materials to keep perpetuating themselves. These nanites still, besides doing all this plant stuff, they're still nanites. They still have to you know they'll break down nutrients in soil or whatever fly across the continent, land and dump that new batch of nutrients into some much, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Soil that is lacking in said nutrient. Right. Well, they also could be nitrogen fixing, which is a big thing. You know, that's one reason why you have things like legumes, because they uh, actually help uh, make the soil more, uh, more able to nurture other, other plants. So it would make sense that these green, this green goo would be nitrogen fixing as well. And as we know, most of the atmosphere on our planet, therefore most Earths, are going to be high in nitrogen. So they would be like, if even if they were on a barren world, you're just suddenly fixing all this nitrogen uh, into the uh, soil, well, into the rock, and breaking up the rocks into small, into 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 uh, soil, you are adding in itself as, as, as plant-based stuff before, you know, so it's just a matter of time before you've essentially created a, uh, a uh, eventually you might want to uh, add in animals like, you know, burrowing insects and uh, worms and things like that to keep the soil aerated, or yeah. it can do it itself. I mean, it's, it just depends on how uh, autonomous uh, this this stuff is is supposed to act. Well, again, and that's up to the particular Termelon or Commonwealth programmer. I mean, the nanites could sit there and aerate that. You know, it's like, yeah, stay here for you know twenty years, and every so often shift the soil around to aerate it on this particular schedule. Or they, you know, the, uh, later a biologist of some type will add worms or burrowing insects or whatever. Yeah, it just depends on you know, what type of project is being done. If it's just going to be the one guy depositing it there and 
giving the air raid command every so often, or if a biologist of some type, um, oh God, I'm blanking on insect, entomologist would come in and, okay, we're going to add this to this world's matrix and, you know, burrowing insects are going to manifest, do their thing. So yeah, uh, or other worlds that, yeah, here we go. Perfect one. Boom. Portals 4, uh, page 18, prime and mud and alternate 7, flower meadows. Endless meadows with flowers and an occasional fruit tree. Appears to be terraform. Flowers and fruit are high in iron. Here you go. Another perfect example of how, you know, because those flowers, the roots go deep and Plants are not plants are not normally high in iron. So that so this sounds like a uh, uh, eco friendly way of uh, mining. Right. So this, yeah, they just find a way to harvest the iron from the 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 plant matter. Yeah. yeah. Just, well, you just take the full stuff and you basically burn the plants and you end up with something that yeah a lot yeah, of carbon, yeah, yeah. a lot of iron. Uh, take it, throw it into a big smelter, and you got steel. Yeah. Uh, because we were talking earlier about the various types of goo when Jonathan said, yeah, green goo already has a name. There is gold goo. Mr. Thomas, could you explain how that works there? Yeah. Gold goo, yeah, I found that uh, is, a de- is a term used for nanite used to filter the gold out of the ocean. Um, the concern being that if it ever got out of control and we couldn't stop it, then it would, you know, do this runaway effect, and they would have piles and piles of golden goo on our shores as the nanites just kept filtering out the gold and, and never stopped. Yeah. Well, I mean, they obviously, when the 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 oceans were totally deprived of, of gold, then yeah, they would have to stop because they wouldn't have anything else to do. But still, we'd end up with these piles of gold all along our shoreline. But yeah, see, so nanites extracting things from another, yeah, this, this flower meadows... They could do that. It's like, okay, and oh, we've extracted all this iron out, and then just once the plants have, you know, whatever high content of iron, you could send either tweak the nanoids that are there, or send in another batch of nanoids and say, okay, just leach the iron out. Put it on a fringe train with a car on it and send it to a process, you know. But yeah, so, I mean, you can see where a lot of the examples of things having been terraformed if you have issue with the suggestions we've made, or if you wish to enhance upon them, or you decide to whip up a version of your PPM, green goo, plantites, if you want to use that, or planites, fans of Gaming on the Frontier podcast, fringe-worthy RPG fans, because we brought in Bureau 13, Bureau 13, Agents Everywhere, our three Facebook groups, you can bring this stuff up on the Podbean site itself at tritexsystems.podbean.com. We're all on Facebook. You can contact us that way. Just, hey, Trav, you know, that episode you guys did on, you know, the grain goo, I got this, this, and this. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We love it when you guys interact with us because it gets us going, you know, and it ends up being an upward spiral because the more you interact with us, the more topics for further discussion we have for you. As I said, this is a thought experiment. This is just something that the three of us through, you know, the three of us talked about. But you GMs out there run this right, and your players are going to be wondering every time they step. I mean, you don't want to get them too paranoid because you know it's. But you saw how we adapted it to the various worlds that were just in a couple of the portals books. Oh yeah, this was definitely possibly a a PPM altered world. So you see how easily this can plug in 
into the whole fringe metaverse, or as I love to call it, the Tahulkaverse. Uh, and we will have much more for you next week. But until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there. So go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.